Hello and welcome to another episode of Ophelia Talks. It's episode number three. My name is Zach Rich. I am your podcast host. I'm your company manager. I'm your terror that quacks in the night. It's really late at night while I'm recording this, so please excuse the kind of hushed dolce tones you might be getting during this cold open. I have a sleeping roommate right now who I just do not want to awaken, lest I feel her wrath. And I don't want that. We're going to get to the episode proper in just a couple of moments. A few things to go over first before we dive into the episode proper. I want to thank everyone who came out to the first weekend of our new play festival over at Ophelia titled With a Twist. If you were lucky enough to catch Love Unsought and Skin of the Teeth, you got to see two really awesome pieces of brand new theater. I want to thank the Astoria Music Project and Fat Content for sharing some of their outstanding work with us. I wish all the best to them with these new shows and I hope, I hope, that we get to see them again somewhere down the line. If you missed out on those two fantastic shows, do not be alarmed, citizen. We have three more weekends of fresh new theater for you. Going down the line here, this weekend is the show Your Town. That is written by Joe Ferraro. That is directed by yours truly. You'll be able to catch that this weekend, October 6th through the 8th. The Friday and Saturday shows are at 8 p.m., the Sunday show at 6 p.m. That is followed up next weekend by Red Winter by Anthony Mercado. That is directed by Billy Aiken Tires, and you'll be able to check that out October 13th through the 15th, and we will round out our new play festival with Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. When I say that, I'm thinking like Olmec from Legends of the Hidden Temple, which is what I'm trying to emulate in that moment. I hope that reads. I don't know. You can catch that October 20th through the 22nd. Tickets for all three shows are still available. You can catch more information on that at our website at ophelia.theater.org. Thank you very much for listening into Ophelia Talks. I've had so much fun starting this podcast, getting it off the ground. I'm very thankful for the positive reception that the first couple of episodes have got. We are now on Apple Podcasts. What does that mean? Well, it means if you're listening to us through Apple Podcasts, please take the time to subscribe to Ophelia Talks. If you have a free moment, leave us a review. If you listen to podcasts often like I do, you'll often hear them ask for reviews and subscriptions and things like that. They really do go a long way to helping us out to help grow and develop the podcast into something really, really cool. I'm having so much fun doing this, and I really hope that you're having fun listening to it too. Speaking of having fun, my guest this week is Joe Ferraro. I said that name really weird. Joe Ferraro. This conversation was nuts. Joe and I have known each other for years now, so we had a lot to talk about in this episode. We talk a little bit about our time at the University of Buffalo together. We talk about your town. We talk about his first show that we did together, which was called Diamond Dogs. A little bit about his trip to Japan. A little bit about this new tattoo he got. It's a really fun conversation that I got to have with one of my best friends in the world. I hope that you have as much fun listening to it as I did doing it. Because we, we giggle a lot throughout this episode. I will be back next week. We're going to talk a lot about Red Winter. For the moment being, come out, see your town. It's a really good show. I promise if this episode doesn't sell it to you, I don't know what's going to. I'll be back here with a new episode next week. For the moment being, enjoy.
going to be simultaneously a joy to do and very hard to get through. I need you to curb expectations because I am not going to be funny. I'm going to be like in my super dramatic. That's that's so. Artist Joe's not funny. Artist Joe's not funny. But tell me about Artist Joe. So just for framing, we're best friends. Yeah. We're really close. Uh, we went to college together. Yep. Uh, just confirm if all this is true. I, I just did. I said yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we both went to the University of Buffalo together. You were... I forget your major. Uh, I was a media studies production major. Right. Theater minor. Theater minor. But you were very tied into the theater department. Yeah, I mean, to an extent. I was like that weird... Because it's the same building. So I was kind of like the weird dude who's always around. And they're like, I think that guy does movies. <laughs> and since the rest of the media studies department was terrified of theater people... Right. I was the only guy using, like, theater actors in my pieces. I mean, we were we were scary people. We ran down the hallways and sang at the top of our lungs. God, the amount of annoying riffing I had to deal with. <laughs> it's like... That Beyonce song came out where it's like, oh my god, she changes keys seven times. And every theater kid wanted to do it. It was brutal. All of our all of our college friends are going to listen to this and be like, did Zach and Joe hate us? No, I didn't hate them. I, I hated when they... Oh, can I curse? Don't curse. Okay, I hated when they riffed Beyonce every 26 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if I said it, like, it's, she's Queen Bay. Also, uh, listen, I'm a big Beyonce fan, so don't take that. No, how could I ever? I'm not a big Beyonce fan. It's a lot. When, when we did Grease, I riffed in the middle of Grease Lightning, and the entire company just looks at me, and I'm like, what? And I'm like, we didn't know you riffed, and it's like, because I don't do it every five minutes. Because <laughs> I'm not showing it off so in the hallway every I don't ten show seconds. off every ten minutes. <laughs> Only when I'm doing my podcast. Yeah. Um, tell me a bit about yourself. Uh, I know that's a catch-all question. I know, but... that's, that's brutal. My name is Joe Ferraro. Mm. I am a Cancer Gemini customer. Good. <laughs> no, I a, am a video editor for the most part. Uh, I write plays. I play video games. Uh, you know, I'm just your general kind of nerdy writer guy. That uh, Before we started recording, Joe was giving me a very detailed synopsis of this anime that... I believe you said makes you feel like a butch lesbian. Uh, an emotional lesbian. Thank you. Well, I mean, she can be butch as well. This yeah. is, you know, I'm not judging. You can be butch Just and be... emotional. Yeah. Yeah, anyone who's butch can be also emotional. I like to think... I like to think back when I really... Like, when I lifted, I was never muscular. But, like, when I, when I quote-unquote swelled... Sure. You could, you could, could feel cry. something in there. I could cry. I don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was how... That's kind of how we met was... So we lived uh, in neighboring dorms mm -hmm. on the University of Buffalo's South Campus, yes. and we were doing a show together, which was ironically our town. Yeah. I would go to the gym at like 10, 30, 11 every single night, and you would go to the gym at like 11, 30, midnight every single night, yeah. and it was just on my way out. You were like, hey, we're in that show together. <laughs> and I was like, that's cool, weekly. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Why am I like the gingerbread man in Shrek and you are like the coolest sounding person <laughs> because on Because you hadn't had your workout yet. Uh, and I was, I was finishing You were mine. swell. That's I was true. swell. If I would have saw you when I was leaving, I would have been like, see you at rehearsal, buddy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I would have been the gingerbread man <laughs> So you only keep your deep voice <laughs> two hours and then it drops out. And then it drops out. I go to bed I wake up the next morning and I'm scrawny white boy. Sure. Sure. Hey. You're just scrawny. It's not, color's not a thing. Color's not a thing. You're right. 
Thank you for correcting me on that. You know, very briefly, we, uh, I was thinking about it. We've known each other for like almost a decade. It's been about nine years. Since our town. Yeah. Our town was 2009. No, that was 2010. It was, it was the spring semester of the 2009-2010 calendar. Ah, so right. we've known so, each other for seven years. Seven years, now. still, you're still pretty close. It's still pretty close. It feels, frankly, with you, it feels like it's been an eternity. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> God, only seven years. Oh, spare me. <laughs> can I get out of this? Um, I I was gonna ask you like why our town, but I guess we've already glossed yeah. over that. Yeah. But yeah, why did you why did you feel the need to write an adaptation about this old timey good vibes 1910s play? Our town has kind of always held this significance to me. I, I think, A, especially for, like, the, the kind of the full circle aspect of our friendship and being able to do it with you after all those years, like, do our version of it. That's pretty cool. I remember back in high school, Our Town, I read it, and I didn't really care much about it, and it was kind of that example of bad theater to me. Like, when I was younger, it was like, oh, we've evolved Theaters evolved past this, and this is boring. It's the same with something like Hello, Dolly for musicals for me at the time. Mm-hmm. We did the college production, and I was ensemble parts. So I was uh, very, very, you know, four lines in each act, basically, which meant I had to go to every single rehearsal, but I didn't do anything. I spent so much time just watching the show and watching, you know, basically just sitting next to the director, Mr. Uh, Jerry Finnegan, and, um, and just Jerry. kind of... <laughs> Watching people go through that show and realizing, like, the depth and what that show was actually saying that as a high school student I couldn't comp- comprehend. I still don't. But focusing on those moments in life that we take for granted. And if we should take those moments for granted or if we should just let them go. I've always found that fascinating as I'm getting older. Because that's what we do. I, we're all in our late 20s for the most part. We all kind of look back at our college years and at our high school years and early adulthood and question what we've been doing. And Our Town has, you know, evokes those feelings. So I wanted to write a play that could do that. And I, I thought, what better way than to honor Our Town with, with this play? I feel the same way. When we did that production back in 2010, I was 19 or 20 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I the, the show just went right over my head. I don't think I could appreciate Most it at all because... Say. I think when you're that age, all you hear is, you live, it sucks, you die. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I took away from it the first time around. And yeah, as I've gotten older and we started revisiting the play, and then when we were talking about, uh, when we were talking about doing this production of it, mm-hmm. I went back and reread the play, and it spoke out to me in a completely different sense yeah. than it did seven years ago. Oh, without question. Yeah. 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 It's not what your early 20s and late 20s yeah, do I- to a man. I just think because in your early 20s, you're in it. Everything feels like it's the most important thing on the planet. Like, oh my god, is that girl going to call me? I don't know. And if not, I'm dead. And, you know, when you get older, you realize, oh, I had that moment 50,000 times. And hey, I lived through it. So it, it couldn't have been that significant. It couldn't have meant as much as it did in that moment. And you can learn something from that. And hopefully evolve as a person. When I was doing uh, some research on the show, 
my girlfriend Megan was watching 13 Reasons Why. Mm-hmm. Give or take your feelings on that show. I know yeah. some people hate it, some people loved it. Sure. I'm in the middle between the two because as a as a as a television program, it's very well shot, it's very well acted. Uh, the story structure is strong and I felt it was great. But I think one of the big takeaways I took from it, and this started like sending me down this well of high school thoughts, was... This is life or death to these kids because that's all they have. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think as we've gotten older and we've experienced more, we're four... I'm four years, you're six years removed from school now? Yeah, about. Yeah, we're totally different people now. Eh. I mean, I've gotten better. Well, you're... Yeah, you've gotten much better. I, you, I'm sitting with my legs crossed right I mean, now. I am too, I've got but some I refined. actually... He... he for, it's a, unfortunate. It's not a, a visual medium. You are so relaxed. His hand is draped over a man. Like he he looks fantastic. I'm also cross legged, but I'm actually holding my leg in and shaking place. your hand just a little bit. I, I feel like if I let go of this leg, my leg's gonna <laughs> fling and hit you in the face. Oh, I'm fighting off this cold. The everyone, second the show closes, I'm gonna be sick for ten days. Oh, I, that's that's where I'm at right every now. Every single person. I know who's doing a theater production right now is on the cusp of a horrible cold. Right. Like, I, I, I've been coughing for dates. It's, I, it's the changing of the seasons, too. We're recording this on October 1st. It's time to spook down a little bit. Yeah, it's been a little chilly. It's, it's been, been a little, little chilly. chilly for the past few days. Last night I was walking to the theater to see Skin of the Teeth, and it was it felt great to just feel that fall atmosphere. There was like a couple of leaves falling down, and I was like, time to bust out that David <laughs> S. Pumpkins cosplay. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about your adaptation. Sure. When I'm reading through it, Mm -hmm. this adaptation reads half parody, half homage. Yes. How did you toe that line? Structurally, I was actually pretty inspired by Ophelia's production of Some Night. I saw that, was blown away by it, and I loved that it was like this fantastic uh, homage to the original piece without being the original piece. You know what I meant? Like, uh, structurally, I saw Midsummer, but I, I was seeing a new, interesting, different play. From some night. Yes. Yeah. When writing Your Town, I wanted to toe that line. I tend to write with a, a little more sarcasm, a little, you know. I oh, just, I hadn't uh, noticed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a very serious person. I wanted to add some more humor, poke fun at the you know, the conventions of a play of that age without insulting it. Like, that was very important to me. I didn't want this to feel like I'm making fun of the source material. But I wanted to write scenes that felt a little more like what people would say behind closed doors. The first scene in the play in particular, it's a lot of discussion behind what people wouldn't say in society versus what they would say in their own home. And I kind of like that because we tend to be a little more vulgar. We tend to be a little more honest than we would out, outside. If anything, I didn't think the original plan, uh, the original play did that, or at least not with the, um, I guess, like the modern expectations of what that would be. Sure. So I wanted to write a play that didn't take place in modern times, but still felt like it was dialogue from then, but with our twist. Our, our modern sensibilities. Yes, yeah. I see that. I, I like that. And the play goes through different eras. Yes. It starts off in the 1960s and leads up to the modern day. Yes. Yeah, I wanted to, again, with the original structure of Arrowtown, it was first act is a day, 
The second act is like multiple days. And then the third act is kind of what eternity might be. I wanted to structure it uh, in a similar manner, but I wanted to do the first scene would be a day in the life, a very mundane, average, normal day. The second act, I wanted to make a full, basically a full life. I wanted to go through the the repetitions of a, you know, a worker throughout his entire existence and do it very quickly. So the second act takes place, you know, uh, decades. Mm. And then the third act, I wanted to s- still stick with eternity and what that means, looking back at a life worth living or not. Do you think... Because the third, the third act... I, I call it the match simply as a director, but sure. the third scene is structured very similarly to that of our towns yeah. where it's the dead sitting by their own graves contemplating on their own life. Do you think the way you've written it, it's more of a reflection? How does it meet your ideas of what the afterlife might be and Thornton Wilder's? I don't want to say, like, you know, me and Thornton would be friends. We have very similar I, I, views. But I, I do. I think his was a bit more optimistic in nature. I think he uh, he used kind of going back and viewing those small, beautiful moments as a good thing. As, uh, like, yeah, it's tragic that you're not living them, but it was kind of nice that they were there. I don't know if it's just because I'm more cynical in nature, but when I look back, it's hard not to realize time wasted. Sure. So I, I think my third act or third scene is... A little more about the time you should have spent than the time you did spend. You're thinking more of the woulda, shoulda, coulda. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The glass half empty, half full. Mine's just f***ing cracked anyway, so it doesn't matter. Oh, buddy. Yeah, I know. Gonna have to bleep that out. I know, it was a good one, too. You're freshly inked. I am freshly inked. It's an audio medium we're going for right now, but give a description of that nice tattoo for the audience. Yeah, it's a big dragon. No. <laughs> I love Game of Thrones. So it is uh, a lot of the ink I'm looking into getting at this point in my life. I would like to have double meaning with uh, little nerd references too. This one is a Metal Gear Solid nod. It's also a uh, memorial tattoo to a dog, my dog that passed away, Jetta. And then it is a play I wrote last year called Diamond Dogs. It is the Diamond Dogs Metal Gear logo, but it's my dog. And, I mean, it looks pretty good. I, I'm pretty happy with it. I'll try to have a pick of it in the show notes. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, it's it's a beautiful homage. I know you loved Jetta. Jetta, yes. Very, very much. Uh, tell me a bit about Diamond Dogs. Diamond Dogs. Tell me it as, as if, if I wasn't in the show. <laughs> as if we both weren't in the show and your girlfriend directed it. Diamond Dogs is a play I wrote. It was kind of something I needed to do. I was uh, going through a bit of a depression. And uh, I just wanted to kind of... Figure out artistically if I had anything in me at that point in my life. So I wrote this play that's kind of a mashup of Best in Show and Curb Your Enthusiasms. This uh, this dog show that's with, you know, toes in line with vulgarity, I guess. <laughs> it's a vulgar show. It's a vulgar, but, yeah. Uh, that's not, it's not a kid's show. No, it's not a kid's show. I wanted to kind of address a lot of the issues I was having at the time with abandonment or with feeling uh, like like self-doubt. But I, I didn't want to just make it about me feeling abandoned or not fully loving myself in that moment. So I did it from the point of view of dogs. And I, I felt that was a good way to both throw in as much humor as humanly possible, but also 
address some of the issues I was dealing with. It was therapeutic enough for me. Yeah, I submitted it to the Thespis Festival. It's now Summerfest. It was Thespis. Oh, it changed its name. Yeah, it's okay. Summerfest Winterfest now. They accepted it. I brought on some people. And then Megan, your, you know, your girlfriend, was uh, directing it. I brought you in there. I brought uh, Ariel Judson, who was also who's also in this production. You guys brought Kate Kylie to my attention, who is she's really fantastic. She's really good. It's it upsets me that I know I'm lucky thus far. She's been in because she's in this production as well. I'm. <laughs> it upsets me that I know eventually down the line I'm not going to be able to like have her you like recite my words <laughs> right right because she's incredible you're going to have to someday do a show without kate i don't and, I and don't you'll be like all it. the poorer I for it i don't like it. that woman she she told me one day that she was benjamin buttoning and i asked what are you talking about and suddenly all of like the casting calls she was going on and people that would just stop her on the street people thought she was getting younger and i was like i don't see it and then she walked into the room for our first rehearsal and I took one look at her and, and I was she like she was four years old she's, she was a little she's baby she's a toddler now <laughs> she's a toddler she's two feet tall <laughs> she was wearing suspenders she, she had a had a lollipop <laughs> she had a rattle that said world's best actress on it <laughs> it was weird she got a show to I don't know if it's that's it's, it's Winterfest it's, it's Winterfest the, oh, so it's, it's the same the festival it's the winter version they always had two every year I forgot what the winter one was called right but it was Thespis, and then the other one was like Venus Wispus. and Adonis. It was a really not a, the best name, mm. and they made it Summerfest, Winterfest. So but she she's following your lead because she has a show in that festival that she wrote. Mm-hmm. Megan's act, acting in it. You started a little trend. I know we're the we're little, the Thespis kids. Little Joe Ferraro family of this products. A, but no, she's she's amazing. She's working constantly. Yeah, like we're lucky to have her. I'm really happy we're having this K. Kylie appreciation. I know. Hour. But back to Diamond Dogs. So dogs have a very important place to you. Yes. Yeah, I... <laughs> I thought there was going to be a little bit of that question. Yeah. No, nope, I... I'm just leading you off there. Oh, God, I love dogs. I There's something about an animal that just inherently loves you. And I, I don't get that from most people. I, even you. Like, I, like obviously, I know we're, we're very good friends. You I'm love offended. me like a, like a brother. But... I don't think I came up down the street and you weren't waiting at the window for me. I had a car. <laughs> a dog would know. A dog can sense that I, I was I did coming. immediately answer my phone when you called me. You did. You did. And then you threw a key down at me. I do that to everyone. Eh, whatever. You think you're a character in rent? I don't want to go down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, it's too my, The stairs to my apartment are steep and I'm going to hurt myself someday. <laughs> but that uh, that yearning for, uh, from a dog's perspective that, that yearning to please someone is just so nice and it's so comforting and it's so reliable I think that's a big thing in my life that uh, I fear things that are unreliable or inconvenient to people in nature like loving a human for a dog is never inconvenient it's just it's it's an emotion and it's just something they're always gonna feel and I, I I love that, and cats give that too. But I've grown up with dogs my entire life, so naturally I'm gonna lean towards that. What lessons did you take from writing and acting in Diamond Dogs that you brought to the table for your town? Because this is the second time you've had work produced that you've yes. written. Yeah, yeah. So what was some of the things you learned along the way? The biggest thing, and I know this is like common knowledge for anyone who's starting out or in the early stages of a you know a writing career. I've been a little more understanding if people aren't immediately in love with my work. You know, with Diamond Dogs, there was 
I was so I was terrified. I, I was terrified if people didn't come or if people didn't like it or if people didn't understand this or if people thought it was so funny that the dramatic stuff didn't work or if they thought the dramatic stuff was great and then the humor hurt it. I, I was so terrified to let anyone down. And while I love the experience of the show being in it and writing it, I, I wish I could have come into it knowing Everyone might not love this, and that's totally cool. And the people that do like it probably aren't lying to you. Like, like in my head, oh man, if someone tells me they like it, I'm trying to figure out what's the angle. Where sometimes they just like something, and sometimes they don't. So going into this, I just wanted to write a piece that was meaningful to me, that would be fun for people to do, that you could possibly get something out of when you're watching. That's a great sentiment. I have that fear too. I even have this fear with this show because this is my first time yeah. directing a show. And while there's like the little lizard brain in the back that's like, nobody's going to like this. You're really bad at your job and nobody's ever going to let you be a director again. <laughs> You're facing forward and you think, this could be fine. It's, it's scary sharing something you've created. Yeah. And that's good that you're finding ways to be like, well, somebody's going to hate this and somebody's going to love it. Well, do you feel, my question to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you feel like you're responsible for other people's time? Yes, very much so. We had a rehearsal the other day where I had one actor who literally spoke for maybe five minutes of a two and a half hour rehearsal. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I shouldn't have called her, I shouldn't have called her, I shouldn't have mm. called her, I shouldn't have called her. She loved the rehearsal. She texted me afterwards and was like, that's exactly what I needed. Thank you. Nice. When I realized that I was the person in charge, that I was the person who had to cut the chatter and get to work, and you're sitting there and you're watching somebody work, and it's like, it's bad. It's really bad right now. How do I make it not bad? I wish I could make it not bad. And when you realize you can make it not bad. Yeah. That's, that's the cherry on top. Obviously, he's not referring to this show. Everything's Everything's fantastic. great. My actors are perfect little <laughs> angels. Good. And I'm so proud of my good, good actor boys and <laughs> girls. Good boys and girls. I get nervous for people coming out. I get nervous that someone is going to spend hard-earned money, and I want them to really like this product. So that's... Uh, and I, I... Not everyone has time. To, to, to throw around. So for them to spend an hour, or depending on commuting, two hours to get to the theater and watch this show, I hope that they enjoy it. We got a really good cast. We got, we got a cast of people that seemingly really like this material and are... <laughs> Allegedly, I, they're I, fans I, of your work. This is what I'm talking about, though. I can never say, like, <laughs> they love my work, but I think they enjoy doing this. And they're doing one heck of a job. They are. I think the people that come see this is, are going to like the show. I think there's going to be something in there for them to grab, whether it is the, the humor or existential stuff, you know, like the questioning of existence. I don't know what it's going to be, but I hope as a writer, I put in enough that whoever comes to see it will have something they enjoy. Cut it, print it. Put it on the program. There you go. Something for everyone. Joe Ferraro's Your Town. Your Town, baby. <laughs> can I <laughs> tell you one thing? Yeah, yeah. So, if you can cut this, whatever, like, it doesn't matter. A few weeks ago, you asked me, you said, hey, Joe, do me a favor, throw me a brief description of the play, a synopsis. So I said, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and this would eventually be on the Facebook advertisement you know, the website. You can read it right now on yeah, the you website. Can read it. 
I, <laughs> in my head, I'm like, oh, this is serious. I'm going to write, like, a serious blurb. And I gave it to you. And then I read everyone else's. And then they're all just like, it's a magical adventure. Come see this beautiful show. And mine is like... It very much is just like solemn. It's it's like, everyone else's is like seven or eight lines long. And ours is just like three it's like lines. three it's lines too- that's basically like... To question the existence of life is meaningless at best. The universe is made of billions <laughs> and billions. <laughs> so... So I do want to say that, if, for who's listening, the show's pretty funny sometimes, it's, too. <laughs> it's pretty funny sometimes. It's a comedy. <laughs> you won't walk away from it being like, man, the nature of the universe is really depressing, yeah, and I don't feel great about myself anymore. You'll laugh. Yeah, I We hope. promise. I, I just think I came across as like a... Like a 14-year-old who just found a good Charlotte album. Yeah. You really got it. You, like, walked out of Hot Topic for the first time, and it's like, I understand now. I understand. Now. I've, I got, I've got my copy of Welcome to the Black Parade on vinyl. <laughs> I walk in, I just go, I'm home. <laughs> That's how I used to feel about GameStop. <laughs> you went to Japan recently. Yeah. I've always loved New York City. Until I went to... No, I have. I, I have. I always, like, romanticized New York City. I, I've in a very, my texts. In a very Woody Allen-y way. I've always been like, oh, you know, New York City is my city. I swear to God, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> that voice will never not make me. <laughs> it could be my father's funeral, and you could just lean over to me and go, he was a good Zach, man, Zach. and I'd die on the podium. Zach, let me tell you, I didn't really know your father, but I but I know you, and you're a good man, so I assume it's a reflection of him. So, so we played the indie together, <laughs> And the first time we ever started playing D&D, Joe brings in this character named Donald Grumsfeld. And he talks like this the entire time. (laughs) Like a very, like a very poor, it's it's a very poor version of Stephen Colbert's very poor version of Donald Trump. Yes, basically. (laughs) But you went to Japan. So I went to Japan, um, and my (coughs) god, it's just the perfect city. Everything is just, everyone follows rules. The subway system. My God, guys. The subway system. Yeah. I didn't spend more than like two minutes waiting for a train. Ever. That's a dream. Oh, dude. It was incredible. It was clean. They had advertisements on it. They had... They structured... This is the simple thing that all New York does. Like, they just need to change this. The subway stations have number stops. And I know that sounds weird. Because you're like, oh, okay. I just know to get off on, you know, Prospect Park. Or I know to get off here. But when you're sitting there and you just go, oh, I know to get off on stop eight, it's so it's so convenient because you're like, oh, I am seven stops away from stop eight. Right. That seems significantly easier. It's just so, yeah, it's just so easy. And they and they they did this everywhere in the city. There are the convenience stores are amazing. The food's incredible there. 7-Eleven in Japan is a destination for dinner. I swear to God, the the food is fantastic. Where Seven Eleven here is the destination for like a tummy gurgles. Yeah, and yeah. Maybe some for my for time. my big gulp and my slippy straws. Yeah, I never really traveled. Besides my Diamond Dogs tattoo, I got another tattoo that is a Mario inspired Daruma doll. Daruma doll is a Japanese, you know, it's a Japanese product that basically it's a little dude. He kind of looks like a Russian nesting doll, and you draw in one eye and you come up with a goal and then you when you finish that goal you draw in the second eye it's complete so i figured what better way for me to really try to push myself to better my life than to put it right on my skin 
the goal I wanted to do was complete a bucket list. So a lot of it has to do with either producing work in theater. Doing this show fills one of those items in my bucket list. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I, I wanted to write a play that would be produced by a company. By default, being in this show gets me closer to achieving that goal. Going to Japan was another one. And kind of in the nature of your town, I felt that my wheels were spinning for a very long time. I was repeating the same things day in and day out, and I wasn't happy. And I wanted to do something to force me to go adventure and create more things, because that's what I love doing. So, yeah, Japan was part of that. Yeah. I followed your adventures very, very closely. Got to see some Fire Pro Wrestling, got some Mario Kart action in there. The Mario Kart thing, I think, was... I For for some reason, when you... you, There's there's a video on your Instagram of you... Mm -hmm doing a real-life Mario Kart thing, which yep. is something you can do, I thought you were just behind a green screen. Like, no, that's how yeah. perfect it looked. It's it's another thing where it could never work in New York City for various reasons. Yeah, there's a service over there. It's called Mari Car, And basically, you dress up as a Mario Kart character, and you drive a go-kart through the heart of Tokyo, Ginza, and all these areas that are heavily populated, like Times Square-esque areas. And I'm dressed up as Mario... With my buddy, dressed up as uh, Yoshi, we got some guys dressed up as Luigi, and we're riding go-karts. And every person, they see us, they're waving, they're smiling, little kids are going nuts. I'm doing the Mario like, yeah! And kids are going crazy in the streets. They just love it, and everyone's waving and smiling. If I did that in New York City, A, the moment there's a red light, people will be in the crosswalks, I'll be running over people. It'd be right. a lot of... <laughs> A lot of options. It'd be like real life Mario Kart. Or, frankly, I'd be driving by and some guy'd be like, hey, look at this jerk dressed up as Mario. Who does he think he is? You know? With jerk replaced with something less savory. Yeah, with something less savory. (laughs) Um, If... If you, if anyone who listens ever goes to Japan, I cannot recommend it enough. It was affordable and it was super, super fun. That seems amazing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, my my Japan experiences don't really extend beyond the Persona series. (laughs) Yeah. So. They do a good job. I like they get all the kind of areas. That's what I've heard. I've I yeah. I was listening to another podcast of uh, I was listening to the Polygon Show, sure. uh, one of Vox Media's podcasts, and they had just finished their Persona Five playthroughs, mm-hmm. and they're in Shibuya Square and everything, and it feels just like it. Yeah. So if you want to go to Japan, just play Persona. Just play. Yeah. If you can't afford Japan, just play Persona. <laughs> if they make V, are they going to do a VR version? That'd be amazing. Because then you're in it. And you're in it and you save a lot of money. God, that'd be amazing. Joe, is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, anything anything else you want to plug? Anyone any, you want to say hi to? Any Anything else I want to plug? Cuphead? Cuphead's out? Cuphead's real good. I've been wanting to play for a while. I'll probably wait a little bit though. I'll plug my Instagram account. I think it's pretty funny. I think it's, it's pretty uh, funny too. Joey Fresh Ferraro. Even if you look at the Ophelia stuff, I typically like it. <laughs> pretty I, easy to find. I look at your Instagram feed and I'm like, how has this not gone viral yet? I It bugs me that it has gone It bugs me that it has not gone viral yet. I don't know if you need to put more hashtags in there, but... I put so many hashtags. There are, there are some videos you make where I just listen to on a loop. And it's partially because I do love the sound of your voice. Aww. And I'm not just saying that as your friend. Aww. But you've got a very sweet voice for comedy. I got Okay, now it's something... Something... <laughs> <laughs> It went from, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, nice. I have a soothing voice. It's like the shrill nature of your voice makes me giggle. It does. Um, yeah, I try. Um, I realized, like, the brand of Joe Ferraro that I'm <laughs> building. Is Please tell me about your brand. My brand. My brand. It's uh, it's frumpy in nature. 
No! It is. It's frumpy in nature, but yeah. it's cool. It's frumpy in a cute way. Uh, I'm like a, <laughs> I'm like a little meatball that talks to you. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of it is... In Japan, this is my example, because I think this is the greatest idea. And I don't know necessarily exactly what you think of this. I wanted to make, if you went on my Instagram page, there's a full line. And it goes, I think, six, three sets of pictures. Mm. It goes six down. And it is me at various landmarks in Japan. But I'm a tourist, and I'm looking away from it, trying to figure out where it is while the landmark's behind me. Right. A very classic maneuver. Yeah, a very classic uh, touristy, you know, like, oh, you know, where's, where's, the, where's the temple? I swear to God, I know it's here. And it's right directly behind me. So a lot of my Instagram is that in nature. It's uh, poking fun at possibly serious things without insulting it. Similar to your town. Similar to your town. How are the Raiders doing? No, we were, <laughs> we were doing fantastic. 2-0 and looking great, and then we faced Washington, and we looked like garbage monsters. I have I have both Carr and Cooper on my fantasy team. They're both being benched this week. Easy peasy. I mean, I I don't know if they know about it. I don't know if somebody, Carr... Somebody took Amari Cooper's hands and replaced them with bricks last week. Here's the thing with Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper, when he has the ball in his hand... He's amazing. The guy, like, his grip of the ball, when it's in his hand... Sure. ...is incredible. The first week, he broke, like, uh, he broke a tackle and then, like, spun around seven guys while using the ball as leverage to get in the end zone. I did see that. I, I, I jumped on the couch that I was on and screamed out loud and said, This my touchdown! But, now, the problem is, in that same game, if you, if you hit, you can throw my, a, a towel... And he'll fumble it. He, he can't catch it. But when he does catch it, he's good. So, yeah, the Raiders are disappointing. My New York Knicks, <sighs> disappointing. Well, that's just the Knicks. Oh, God. Good luck, Carmelo. I hear that. Joe, I want to thank you for your time here I today. I want to thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun. I love your play. I'm thank very you. honored and excited and thrilled to see it to its conclusion for a first directing <laughs> gig. I couldn't have asked for a better one. I'm very, very happy to hear that. If anyone knows, you know, the ins and outs of my mind, you're one of three people who I talk to pretty much every day. Yeah. A lot of this play, while being about my views of society, it's still me. Like, a lot of these are things I've dealt with, and I think you've been with me through those things, and or you've listened to me tell you about those things and given me fantastic advice to get me through those. I don't know about fantastic. You've given me mediocre at best advice. That's good. That's better. That's more me. But in the end, I I mean, if anyone could direct this material that I could trust, I mean, it's you. I love you, buddy. I I love you too. You can catch Our Town at the Ophelia Theater this weekend, October 6th, 7th, and 8th. The Friday and Saturday show are at 8 p.m. The Sunday show at 6. You can catch Joe and all the fabulous people in it right over at the Ophelia Theater. For Joe Ferraro, I am Zach Rich, and this has been Ophelia. Ophelia.